What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had Daniel Kim on the podcast. If you guys don't know who Daniel Kim is, he is the owner of Train True Gym in South Korea, and he is the chair of USAPL Korea. And he comes on the show and outlines and details and sheds valuable light on the issues going on in Korea regarding the IPF. Um, he does a much better job, obviously, than Steve and I can. It's affecting members of his gym. It's affecting you know people who are in the USAPL in Korea and in the IPF. Um, and you know, on, on Two White Lights, we do talk about powerlifting drama, quote-unquote, and this is not powerlifting drama. Um, this is serious problem. It's not like a quarreling meat director, a quarreling federations, and if that was the case, me and Steve will talk about it, but it's more serious than that. Uh, and, and Daniel outlines it, and if you guys have not followed him on Instagram, please do that because this episode, along with what he posts on his Instagram, will give you the full story of what's going on. I know they have a GoFundMe going to potentially have a class action lawsuit against IPF Korea. Um, we're going to post a link in our bio and also when the podcast drops on our Instagram story. Um, so you got to make sure you guys are checking that out. But yeah, uh, an important episode and just a little housekeeping stuff. This was originally supposed to be an hour, 40 minutes. The audio got weird. Uh, there was a bit of a, an issue with the audio and we're hoping to get that fixed by Thursday or Friday because the second half of the podcast me and Steve really want to know about USAPL Korea because Daniel and his team have been doing a fantastic job growing the sport out there. Um, the Korean powerlifting scene is booming. They have a really good culture, and that we love that in powerlifting. We love that on Two White Lights, and it's a positive thing, whereas you know the first half of this episode is unfortunately some negatives. Um, that is a positive. So we ask about that. We have a really, really good conversation, an uh, awesome conversation um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the audio got a little bit weird. Hopefully we can get that to you, uh, Thursday or Friday, but you get this podcast and based on the severity of it, we really, really want to make sure we got this out by Wednesday because it's going to be a busy weekend of powerlifting. We have, you know, a Sheffield recap coming up. So we want to make sure you get this to you. So a little bit longer of an introduction. I apologize, but that's some housekeeping stuff and I'll probably post on the story as well. And make sure you're subscribing to two white lights on Spotify, Apple podcasts, leave a five star rating on both. I'll leave a review. Make sure you're going to 2whitelights.com. Check out the merchandise we got. Uh, we got some beanies and socks. And also subscribe to the podcast there. Go to leftlarbros.com. Use promo code 2WL15 to get yourself the best powerlifting merchandise in the sports. And, and without further ado, here it is. Two White Lights. Oh, baby, I like it. We got with us today, Daniel, not David, Kim of Train True in South Korea. I am very excited to have you on. We got a lot to talk about, but um, first, I'd just like to thank you for coming on Two White Lights. 
it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I have a lot to say, and I am very keen on making the world know it right now. <laughs> yeah, I think we were keen on having you on the podcast eventually, like because we we seen what's happening in Korea, a robust powerlifting community. Um, we saw some great things with the USAPL. There's some excellent Korean lifters as well. Uh, but you know, there's been some issues in Korea, especially with the IPF. So we're going to start with that. And I think that's the thing everyone wants to know. And Steve has been following the story very closely. Um, you have been doing an excellent job of getting news out to people. Um, and especially translating it too. like, that's a big thing that, because we were looking at it and it's like, okay, with an English speaking audience, we're seeing all this stuff like, oh, we, we're following along with it. And yeah, a lot of it's revealing, a lot of it's troubling, um, and a lot of it is um, kind of shedding light on a broader issue that's going on in drug-free powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll cut right to it because it's a long-ass story. I'm sure people are curious. Uh, so I'll start just, I guess, chronologically from the beginning. Uh, IPF Korea is, I mean, I think it's technically called the Korean Powerlifting Federation, but They've been calling themselves IPF Korea, so it's confusing. Uh, they've been around for quite a bit, and the president named Yong Hoon Cho, uh, he's basically in charge of it. There's another guy named Taegil Lee, who is like their uh, director. Uh, so he's kind of like the right-hand man who does day-to-day activities there. And then there's the daughter, I my bad, I forgot her name, Suyun Cho, uh, the daughter of the president. She's also a director. So there's like three you know, leaders of IPF Korea. And a couple weeks ago, I think it was like uh, February 26th, end of February, uh, they basically made this Instagram post, not even like a a formal mail, Instagram post announcing that USAPL Korea, parenthesis, train crew, my gym, uh, anyone who like does any sort of like instruction uh, related to any of those, they would be banned from IPF Korea and from international competition. And there's no way this is a coincidence because I like my three primary coaches are IPF Korea members, uh, and they were about to hold their first seminar three days after that announcement. And that seminar is not USAPL related; it's just a powerlifting, just coaching seminar, just general powerlifting. It is not specific to any federation. It has no federation name attached to it. Uh, it does have my gym's name attached to it. So it's just like train through powerlifting seminar, whatever. So, I mean, obviously I can't say it factually, but my opinion is that this is not coincidental timing. Uh, and the fact that they put USAPL parenthesis train through, they are very strongly, almost directly stating that they're the same entities then. They're 100% not. I literally have them under different corporations. And yes, I'm head of those corporations, but as legal entities, they're not the same thing. Uh, And at the bottom of that letter, this is the part that I would say constitutes straight up defamation. Uh, Besides the fact that they already lied because we're not the same entity. They wrote in Korean words, the word in case there's anyone who speaks Korean in your audience. And that word literally translates as illegal. Like we are an illegal entity. But in Korea, that word is not used idiomatically, like freely. For example, you know, like in soccer, an illegal tackle or like 
basketball legal move. It's not used that way. It's just straight up used for law. That's it. So they're just basically calling us an illegal corporation or entity. So I would say that initial letter was mm, defamatory in two ways, because one, we're not the same corporation, and two, we're not illegal, <laughs> uh, clearly. And then after that, it was just radio silence. Like I had all, I didn't have them. They did it on their own. The three coaches just immediately called them. All three of the the members I just uh, mentioned before, no one picked up. They still haven't picked up. It's been like three weeks. They've never answered a single phone call, text message, DM, or in Korea, they call it Kakao Talk. That's like the WhatsApp of Korea. Nothing. And in fact, Esther, uh, the female coach, she was blocked uh, on the phone, not even like DM or like whatever. Like her number was blocked by Hegel Lee, uh, the kind of what I said, like the overall director of day-to-day activities. So yeah, they just basically left us hanging, like kind of said, you're kind of banned but we're not going to verify it for you because we're not going to pick up the phone. We had just no idea what's going on. Uh, that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to step up and expose this because this is wrong. Uh, not only because it's an attack on me, like my company, but my coaches and just general, the powerlifting community. Like, they were like, what's going on? Like, got to figure out the details and move on from there. They just left us hanging. So I started doing my research. Um, which I'm pretty good at. <laughs> I researched, I mean, I already heard rumors of certain things of like how IPF Korea is run very unprofessionally because I've been in the scene for five to six years now here. So I know I hear things, but uh, I needed evidence. So I started digging. And the first thing I uh, uncovered is their drug testing because the letter that they originally posted on Instagram was prefaced with that whole BS about IPF kicking out USAPL. I'm sure you guys are familiar like with the IPF's excuses kicking out USAPL. I'm not trying to take sides here, but they just have different drug testing methods, and the way they announced it made it sound like USAPL is like not drug testing at all or something, right? So they prefaced the letter with that, so I was like, okay, fine. Let's check out what IPF drug testing in Korea is like. And one, this is all based on evidence, uh, they have never done a single drug test in like the past five years or so, not even one. Uh, the year that they did do five drug tests, it was because they were required to drug test them before going to an Asia regional championship. So they had to test five athletes, meaning they're capable and the, you know, there's a route, you know, like they, they can do it, but they never drug tested ever outside of that one year, those five athletes out of competition. Never did a single in-meat competition or in-meat test, ever. It was the beginning of time. And in revealing that, I got some information from someone um, in the Korean powerlifting community. He was the 105 champion, at least for the last year in IPF Korea. Uh, And he made an Instagram post last year stating that he was on some medication uh, and that he was concerned that it might be like not allowed he was just being honest and he didn't know what is or what is not allowed uh in the end it ended up just being antidepressants just like straight up you know nothing that would ever be considered a ped uh and because of that whole fiasco that it caused just by him going on instagram and posting that in a story you know people started pointing fingers at him of course and this is the crazy part so that guy tegu lee 
Uh, actually, I'll start. That athlete messaged Tegin Lee, hey, I sent you my money for the meet coming up. Am I good? Like, am I registered? And then Tegin Lee responded saying, you have to drug test yourself. Pay for it yourself first. Then we'll allow you to register for this upcoming competition. Now, obviously, that is not water code. <laughs> I don't think any nation or any IPF affiliate in the world would have that in their constitution. And straight up, it breaks water code because you can't just decide to drug test yourself. It defeats the purpose of a drug test because then I'll just go once the drugs are out of my system. And, you know, whenever, whenever it's convenient for me, I'll get drug tested, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. Uh, the next, I mean, this is all on our YouTube. I'm not trying to advertise my YouTube channel, but Train True is a YouTube channel, and the, the, the three most recent videos expose a lot of these details. And this is like the less interesting stuff, but I dug into how they break the rules. Like they don't have calibrated scale; they just use this like twenty dollars scale for weigh-ins. Uh, they don't use a correct platform; they straight up use rubber blocks uh, on their platform. They one time had the lifters do a slow eccentric on the deadlift so that the building owner wouldn't get upset about noise made from dropping deadlifts. And that straight up invalidated all the lifts too because it wasn't even just like telling them to put it down slowly. The president told the spotters to grab the collars on the way down and help the lifters put it down slowly. And I think you all know if any spotter touches the bar before the lift is complete, that's a, you know, a red and a yellow card, like a straight up, it's not a valid lift anymore. I wish I had that rule when I was deadlifting at the Arnold's. That would have probably helped me lock down my deadlift. Yeah, so just exactly. snapping it a little bit, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those were, I mean, in the big picture minor, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're talking about the safety of athletes, uh, you know, sexual harassment, but that's what led to, you know, my discovering a lot of these details, like breaking rules and whatnot. So, yeah, that just made them look unprofessional. But then during that time, people also started telling me about sexual harassment. And I've heard rumors, too. But, you know, I, I can't act on rumors. People actually started sending me videos of getting touched uh, by the IPF president. He's also the president of another I don't know, fitness organization called FISAF, F-I-S-A-F, which kind of hands out like certificates for many different sport-related things. So those are his like two primary businesses under this company, IPF Korea and uh, yeah, FISAF Korea. Uh, I've emailed FISAF, by the way, and they have not responded ever. Uh, yeah, so I started looking at that. And also during that time, you know, trying to get in touch with Gaston, Parage of IPF, like uh, the three coaches here, they had a meeting with him. And in that meeting, Gaston made it very clear uh, that IPF Korea was not allowed to hand out IPF coaching certificates. And that was kind of like a bombshell because I was like, wait, what? Because IPF Korea, actually, this is very good information for uh, listeners to know first. To become a member of IPF Korea, you have to pay about 610 US dollar equivalent to get a certificate. The thing is, it's bundled. Oh, okay. You can't buy the certificate because you feel like it. Like In order to become a competing member of IPF Korea, you have to go to that seminar and get that certificate. But that certificate is not approved by IPF headquarters. Yes, I made it clear that IPF headquarters has its own coaching program, certificate system, but Korea 
is not approved. But IPF Korea is like using the official IPF logo on almost all of these certificates. And it's pretty clear they're advertising it as some sort of like internationally recognized certificate when it's not. Uh, and that drew a ton of outrage because, uh, well, I mean, sure, I mean, everyone's going to be pissed if you feel like you've been cheated. But the thing is, in Korea, certificates are kind of a popular thing. Like a lot of personal trainers want to build their resumes and get as many certificates as possible. You know, Korean culture is very much around like, you know, look at my resume. It's like, boom, like 10 pages. So when people heard that, they were like, holy shit. Can I curse you? Can I curse, by the way? Say no, anything yes. you want. By Angelo encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, holy shit. Like, I spent a lot of money on that certificate and two full days of like seminar time, you know, like time and money for tons of people. And we're talking like, this is not exact, but probably over 400 to 500 people have bought this certificate. Yeah, and only like maybe 50 to 60 of them are actually competitors, but hundreds of people have bought their certificate for the sake of the certificate because they thought it was legit and they thought it was IPF approved. So that was huge outrage and that, you know, basically is fraud, in my opinion. Uh, if you put IPF's logo on it, it's pretty evident that you're trying to make customers think that it's approved by headquarters. And I surveyed a whole bunch of people and they basically said the main reason they did pay that money was because they did think it was approved. So yeah, going back to the sexual harassment thing, uh, that started blowing up too because once attention was drawn to the fact that they're selling fraudulent certificates, other people were like, hey, they're doing other shady stuff too, such as molesting women who attend the IPF Korea and FISOF uh, seminars and the main perpetrator of this is uh, the president, uh, Young Hoon Cho. He's been shown on multiple videos. I have tons. Uh, I can't even show all of them because some of the uh, victims have opted not to you know, share this with the public, and I respect that. Uh, but it's very evident that there's a pattern of behavior. Uh, this is the crazy pattern. He would massage women in these videos and say, don't do this. But he'd be doing exactly that, as he oh. says. Yeah, that was the point. The, the videos that were released, I was confused on. I'm like, so why why is there massages being taken place at all? That's, that mm-hmm. was one thing. I'm like, what am I watching here? Because I'm, I'm powerlifting, coaching, and I'm like, massages. I'm trying to connect the two. Oh, to be and clear, I, yeah, as I said, like IPF Korea and FISOF are under the same like parent company. Okay. So most of the videos that show him inappropriately touching women are in the FISOF direction, which is mm-hmm. sometimes involving sports massage or whatever. Okay. But we do have some videos that are on the IPF Korea side too. Uh, you might have seen her, sorry, uh, him like massaging the leg of an IPF yeah. Korea athlete. Yeah. So it obviously spills over to both sides. But who cares, right? He's the president of both organizations. He shouldn't be doing it anywhere, right? <laughs> whether it's in private or IPF Korea or FISAF, whatever. Uh, he's the president of both. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure viewers will find these videos <laughs> uh, on my Instagram. Some of them are there. But the pattern is always, don't do this. And then he's straight up, like, sh- shoving his fingers into a woman's, like, butt crack. You know? And he'd be, like, joking about it. He's like, if you do this... 
that would be bad. And then he's like exactly doing that. Like, don't do this. While his fingers are all up in there somewhere. And in one video, like he doesn't say literally, but he's like, hey, if you have big hands and his hand is around, so the woman is face down on the table. His hand is like, you know, around her, the side of her breast area. And he's like, if your hands are big, then you're automatically be de- going to be touching there. And obviously there means her breast. And his hand is straight up there. And I asked that woman who voluntarily came forward and said I could share this. I was like, so did he touch your breast or is he just saying that? And she was like, no, he definitely touched my breast. And he, she said that in other portions of this massage, she was touched in the pubic area. But the video she sent, she said that part cannot be seen. So, yeah, it's pretty horrible stuff. In one of the other videos, I'm not going to go into great detail on that one because the person in the video eventually came forward. Like I didn't know who it was, but she contacted me and said she was not comfortable with it. But, yeah, he puts his hand somewhere else very, very inappropriately. That's actually the most shocking of all the videos, but I got to respect the victim here. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just won't go into detail on it, but it's bad. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you, it, like my channel, Andrew, who does my massages, He's one of my very good friends that he asked for permission to touch me at any time. You know, like he's, if I, it's like, it's okay if I touch you there, it's my shoulder. And mm-hmm. he's, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, a, a definite power, uh, a power play as far as like, oh, I'm the one giving the seminar, so I'm going to do this. And I'm the president within this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and the yeah, obvious pattern is he always selected a woman, of course. Um, you can see in the background of a lot of those videos, there are plenty of males in the uh, yeah. seminar, but he does not single them out ever. Um, and the other things are, I mean, there's some other rumors, like I wouldn't say there's video evidence, but apparently he calls women to his private room separately after these seminars to say, like, I'll give you like the good stuff. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I mean, I don't have video evidence of that, so I can't go into great detail. It's not technically unsubstantiated at this time. But like four or five different women have come forward and told me that, and they're like not related to each other. So at least I know there's a pattern. Um, And I have to say other things. I mean, again, to me, sexual harassment is the primary concern because I cannot stand for that at all. Like, that's my number one like goal in terms of like revealing what's going on there. The certificate thing, you know, it's minor compared to sexual harassment, but you know, it is still a big deal. If I had to add one more on tax evasion, because uh, it's very clear that the money went into the personal bank accounts of two instructors. Uh, remember I said the director of education, Tegia Lee, his name is just straight up publicly on there with his personal bank account saying, send me the money here. <laughs> and another guy named like Pumgyu Kim, he was also leading one of the certificates of Sims for IPF, and he did the same thing. Just publicly posted his uh, personal bank account that sent me money here. And so, yeah, that's irrefutable. They took money privately, and they did not give what we call like tax receipts in Korea. It's not the same as uh, the U.S. Like when you go to a place and you pay cash or like bank transfer, you could ask for what is called like a tegum kezansal, which is translated as like tax receipt. Uh, they're supposed to give it to you by law. Like they have to. And usually you enter like your ID number and it goes into the government system tracking that you spent such and such an amount. So they never did that. Uh, they also charge different prices for credit cards, which is illegal in Korea at least. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just say like, oh, you got to pay 10% more because it's a credit card. Uh, but there's evidence of that. But yeah, we got like a holy trinity here of like sexual harassment, fraud, tax evasion. We got everything. Yeah, it usually doesn't stop there. Usually when people do these things, it, it always seeps into other areas. Um, and so from my end, when I was originally viewing this, I'm like, okay, IPF Korea, the presidents, we got some issues here. And there's some issues with that power and him taking advantage of that power. And now the members are are uh, the victims of that power. But as is being unfolded, I, I always looked at it as, okay, IPF Korea problem. And that's something we do have to dis- like make a um, distinction between. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times that would happen like with the US, within the U.S. and it's a specific group, not necessarily the broader federation. Like a lot of people with state chairs would have issues with them. They're like, oh, the USAPL sucks. It's like, no, you have an issue with the state chair. They represent the USAPL. So I guess part of the blame can be with the USAPL, but mm-hmm. it, it's separated between the two. Then to, as it's unfolding, I'm looking with your interaction with the IPF. Um, would, would you say that it's now kind of seeping into like, okay, the IPF isn't properly managing this? Oh, yeah. So to be 100% transparent, I guess I should have said this earlier. Yeah, I am the owner of a powerlifting gym called Train True in Seoul, South Korea. But I'm also the state chair of USAPL Korea, which uh, began last 2022 May. And then our first competition was 22 August. Yeah, just so listeners know, of course, I have to admit, I must, I'm biased, right? Because I'm the owner of the gym that got attacked and the state chair of USAPL Korea, and I'm human. So, of course, I'm biased, but I'm trying my best not to be. I'm trying to think, you know, what would a third party think and act? Everything I'm trying to do is trying to support powerlifting as a sport in general. I'm not trying to support USAPL versus IPF. I'm not trying to, like hey, let me destroy IPF Korea, and then all the people will join me. Let me profit like crazy from that. I don't give a shit about that. Like, I just care that people compete where they want. I've made it very clear that as long as IPF Korea leadership steps down and someone else takes charge, I'm fine with that. Well, unless they keep doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. Go there. Like, I'm not going like, like, three of my own coaches were IPF Korea members for the longest time. And I never yeah. forced them <laughs> uh, to, to join USAPL Korea, even though we existed for a while. Like, I said, hey, it's your choice. And I can see why they wanted to stay in IPF because they had you know, aspirations to go to Asia and worlds. And I was like, hey, that's respectable. Yep. As long as you have fun and you're doing what you're doing, like, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I just want to say that first. Well, I, I just interrupt. I think Steve and I can relate to that a lot because I think we've gotten to label as being really biased towards the USAPL. And it's like, I think our bias lies with drug-tested powerlifting. Like, we definitely bias that, but if people want to go in powerlifting America, people want to go the IPF route. Like, we were once part of it, and we really like being a part of it. If we didn't like being a part of it, we wouldn't be in it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, it is it is kind of a frustrating thing when you get something like this, and then it's like, okay, if we release it, it's going to just further, it's going to further deepen the label of being biased, and then trying to take advantage of this for ourselves, and at first, when I was viewing this, I'm like, okay, this is IPF Korea problem. I'm not going to associate the IPF with this. I'm going to associate whoever's in charge of IPF Korea doing terrible things and try to separate the two. But, you know, we, we, we've seen emails between the two. But 
I mean, Steve and I could may- maybe one way around it, criticize the USAPL every so often. And then, uh, yeah, then uh, you maybe get that bias tag uh, lifted because I think I think yeah. Steve, Steve and I have more negative episodes about the USAPL, I think, in total ta- totality <laughs> than the IPF. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be the first to say, if USAPL ever goes back on its inclusive policies, I'll drop USAPL in an instant. If they suddenly say, like, there's something like Article 14 in USAPL, I'll be like, fuck that, I'm out. Like, uh, yeah. I'm just supporting USAPL Korea according to my vision because I feel like it does match what USAPL is doing. Uh, but if by chance leadership in USAPL goes bad, then I'm not going to support it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and powerlifting America, I, I don't care if people lift there. It's just Article 14 that's the problem here in IPF. Mm-hmm. Uh, lifters there, I respect them. I think they're great. Some of my favorite lifters are in powerlifting America. So, yeah, for IPF. And I think where it's kind of getting to Angel's kind of leading is like it's now becoming an IPF issue because this this seemingly was a pretty simple decision. Mm. Like oh, yeah. if if it was if it was the the certificate and some of the other like faulty business practices, maybe that needs to be investigated a bit more. Mm-hmm. But once those videos got released, there wasn't much left to be interpreted. Like those, yeah, yeah. those were those were almost difficult. I mean, I shared one of them on my story, but I wouldn't share all of them because they were honestly difficult to watch. And I don't think, I mean, I wanted people to have the choice to watch them because it wasn't easy to watch those. And yeah, anyone who watched, yeah. I'm the one and sitting so, on the Adobe Premiere having to like censor that. And I'm like doing it frame by frame, cringing the whole time. Uh, yeah, that was not a fun experience. And so at that point, it seems like a beyond easy decision of immediately that person needs to be removed. I mean, I don't know how familiar you are, because again, we have mainly a U.S. audience, how familiar you are with the, the USPA situation we just had. But they pretty much got canceled because they were silent for too long. If they if they would have immediately like taken action, there probably wouldn't have been as much of an issue because it's the same situation. There were some really crappy people within a larger organization. That, that's going to happen anywhere. Every organization anywhere has some crappy people within it that do not model the organization as a whole or, or the or display the characteristics and the organizations that stay silent for too long silence, basically, unfortunately in, in modern day times when there's social media and we can say anything, anytime we want silence now means in some way that you are uh, not encouraging it, but you aren't, uh, I don't know the word for it. You're, you're not openly, uh, you're not stopping it. Yeah, you're stopping it. Like anything, it's yeah. a pretty, it's a pretty simple thing just to stop. ASAP. Like yeah. that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I follow, you know, Goob. Uh, if you guys are familiar with that, I saw the whole epic meltdown of USPA. And I won't lie, I definitely took from that playbook quite a bit <laughs> in my <laughs> defense and in my attack on IPF Korea. So, yeah, I, I 100% thank remaining silent especially for three weeks about issues like this. <laughs> it's not a good look. It's pretty damning. Uh, yeah, to get right into it. Yeah, I we all told Gaston Harage what's going on. You know, at first, it was just about what I mentioned earlier. You know, breaking rules, uh, eventually faulty certificates. But then we said, hey, sexual harassment. Look at this video. We know you saw it. We tagged you a million times in it. And then he's like, can you give me, like, actually, he didn't even ask me directly, even though I'm the one who would probably have the most evidence because 
made it my freaking life mission uh, to, to get this revealed. But he messaged some random, happens to be one of my gym members. <laughs> Randomly. Like she wasn't even in a conversation with him on Instagram. And he asked her, hey, do you have any like uh, court records regarding the sexual harassment? This was after the videos were revealed. So he's like waiting for some sort of legal precedent or something. Like it has to be like on paper in court for him to be like, all right, now I can move forward. I'm like, I mean, obviously I called him out on that right away, even though he's not communicating with me. He blocked me now. Uh, I was like, hey, like you can see with your own damn eyes. Just open your eyeballs, see what's happening. It's irrefutable. I'm not like deep faking this. You know, this is straight up real. Of course, you know, he just ignored me. So at that point I was like, okay, I guess IPF Korea isn't the only problem. It's IPF headquarters. Uh, I mean, I was honestly trying to keep them out of it. You know, I was trying to keep them behind the scenes and email them, and, you know, just make sure IPF Korean leadership uh, is addressed properly. But after ignoring us and twisting things and, I don't know, trying to invoke weird rules like Article 14, back and forth, Gaston would say, no, you're not banned. And Robert Keller would say, yes, you are banned. Like, it makes no sense. He's like, he, he would say one thing, you're not banned. By you, I mean my coaches. And then be like, okay, yeah, but email Robert Keller. And then Robert Keller will tell me, no, your coaches are banned. For whatever whatever reason, I'm sure we'll talk about it soon. I'm like, what? <laughs> like These are the, what, the two top top guys in IPF. They're not even on the same page. Um, they can't even write my name correctly. Like, what's going on over here? So I just like, you know what? I'm usually a quiet guy. Like I'm, I mean, I don't know, actually. In person, I'm not a quiet guy. I love to joke. I'm super sarcastic very politically incorrect in person, but on Instagram and social media, I, I'm quiet. I just post my lifts. I'll make a funny joke here and there. I don't attack people on social media. And I was like, you know what? In this day and age, Instagram is often how you get shit done. I was like, I'll do what I have to. I'll adapt. So I just started tagging the shit out of him and all the people involved, um, DMing back and forth with whoever was in leadership positions, IPF. And they all made it clear and either they're going to ignore me or wait for some sort of court decision. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was unacceptable. Yeah. Well, so I, I was going to mention Gaston needs court decisions for that. But if a social media post that tags him in a meme, he'll get right on that and start, you know, suspending people. Like it, it's a Wait, very man. strange priority. And this has happened. I mean, I had a friend who's been warned about a meme he made just using Gaston and, I don't think, I don't even, uh, I looked at the meme, I don't think it was defamatory in any way, or, or like, slander or libel, it was just a stupid-ass meme, and yeah. they, they had to reach out to him, like, hey, take that down, it's like, wow, you're really quick on that one, yeah. really fast to act. It's funny <laughs> like, that you bring that up, because during this whole fiasco, when, you know, the sexual harassment, you know, videos kind of went viral, at least in the powerlifting community worldwide, tons of people just started DMing me, like, all these things that happened to them that were very, at least in my opinion, unethical. And a female athlete in, actually, I don't know. I don't want to be too specific because I don't know if it wants to be revealed directly, but she reposted a meme uh, of how like the bench rule suddenly changed. And oh, it showed yeah, that. On, on like the Giga Chad body. <laughs> she reposted that and just wrote a caption on the bottom that just said, Oh, I didn't know the bench rules were already in effect. She didn't even like, pile on she just like reposted and had this like innocent caption and then Farshid Sultani I think that's his name saw that DM'd her says 
I'm going to direct this to your national affiliate and tell them to punish you. Then if a month and a half later, they actually had her on a Zoom call and said basically that you're banned for two years starting tomorrow. Jesus Christ. They said, we'll verify it with you tomorrow, but they never even got back to her. So like, they're like, here, here's this bombshell, uh, but we're just going to leave you hanging there and not get back to you like, and put it on paper officially. So she's they, didn't, like, they didn't need court documents for that one, though, did they? Yeah, they didn't wait for the court documents to make sure that there was court rulings about yeah. her being defamatory. Like we didn't need that for a yeah. meme, but we do need court documents for when you are groping women. Exactly. So inconsistencies all across the board. Like they're prioritizing the wrong things. They're prioritizing like their reputation and their egos over straight up, you know, sexual harassment. And I could also. Okay, this is my opinion, but you know, Sheffield's right around the corner, huge competition, first ever, like, they're just like, whoa, let's not give sexual harassment attention, because we want to make sure Sheffield does extremely well, because, you know, it's going to be this epic showdown. I'm like, dude, you could have just said, all right, we're on it. We're going to do our best to remove that guy. And then I would have been like, cool, (laughs) that's it. I wouldn't have tagged him ever again. And I'll just, at least I would have waited to see if they kept their word. Uh, yep. But they're not even giving me their words, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna hold, write a whole bunch of words on Instagram now. Yeah, well, I think good press would be just deal with it, right? Like that's the best press. Hey, yeah, yeah. I mean, what we see you, with the USBA, it's like if you act on it quick, boom, the best press you can have. Like we see something, we're ending it. IPF win W right there. Yeah, and I'm sure IPF is familiar with what happened to USPA. Yeah, like. Pretty fresh. It's like or, a of yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Sometimes I get surprised. Like, um, Actually, yeah, just kind know. of a disconnect. Because even, like, even dealing with the USAPL sometimes, there's some, like, guys, you saw what just happened, right? Let's do the opposite. Not relating to USPA, but just events in uh, encapsulating powerlifting. Like, hey, guys, you saw this. Let's maybe do the opposite. And then occasionally it doesn't happen. So that's, but that's organizational things. And, yeah, I mean, I always tell myself they can go lower. Like, you know, like never be disappointed because <laughs> if someone will do something to shock you regardless of how logical or obvious something seems, there's always a way to go even lower than that. Yeah. Well, you, you had the same response. I believe it was from Gaston. You had the same response me and Angelo have gotten multiple times from – uh higher ups of federations who may not be as social media savvy is the first thing they say is this social media is not the place to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of is like, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of the place to get things done nowadays. Yeah, like kind of. going through, going through the proper channels doesn't work. If you try to go through the proper channels in these situations, you never get anything done. If you go to social media, you can get things done a lot quicker. AKA you just got on national news within uh, like a week time frame of putting this out there. Uh, mm-hmm. If you went to the proper channels, I don't think you get anywhere. I think there, they, a lot of times these, uh, I mean, USAPL is to blame for this too. IPA, all USPA, um, they kind of ignore the power of social media and not realizing that exactly what we were talking about is like they, it, by not, by maybe not wanting to get into this and making it a story, they made it way bigger of a story than it needed to be. Yeah, and let's be real, right? Like, powerlifting is definitely centralized around Instagram, right? Like, so they should know <laughs> that whatever happens on Instagram is going to directly impact the image of the company, competitions, the, the lifters. Like, this is, this is how we communicate, you know? This is 
I don't know, this is the telephone. You know, this is, if we go back in time, like, this is now writing letters to each other. Like, this is, has replaced it. You know, we're not you know, riding horses around in the streets anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the new method of communication. It is now the status quo. And you got to accept it and adapt to it. Then I see, you know, like IPF posting about like how they hired a new great media team and whatever. I'm like, well, come on then, like use that media team properly and address stuff like this first. And someone even, I don't know, some random person even messaged me. They're like, oh, please go easy on the IPF Instagram channel. The person in charge of it is just some innocent woman who doesn't really know what's going on. And I'm like, what? Like, why would I have to go easy on the IPF? Like, how else am I going to contact them? Like, that's that's their account. <laughs> Yeah, but someone in charge does know what he or she's doing. Then, yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone's expecting the IPF media page to go and like debate you in a DMs. It's just more so we'll take your like the thing to do if you're a media page. Like we'll take this concern over to the the president and hopefully it gets you know dealt with. But I, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean he blocked me now, so I can't DM yeah. that directly. So one thing you've kind of touched on. But I want to get into a little bit more is arguably in this situation and the emails I have seen, this is now the furthest stretch of Article 14 I think I've ever seen. Um, for for listeners of Two White Lights, they are very familiar because we've, one, we talked about way back in the day, the our issues with Article 14, because I don't know how, not know, Daniel, I think you probably know, but when we were part of IPF, USAPL did not enforce that rule. They did not find it to be legal. They did not enforce it. It was not something that was a part of USAPL. Um, And obviously after the split, it for sure wasn't because they weren't under that anymore. Um, But I I might have the date wrong, but if you actually look at the, for uh, just listeners in general, I'm restating this. If you look at the constitution versus the bylaws, which are two separate documents, article 14 is different. And it's, again, I might have this wrong. It's either the bylaws or the constitution. They changed to be unbelievably broad so that pretty much the scope of application could be to whatever they would like it to be. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that plenty because it came up with my corrupted summit, summit seminar where we held a tandem deadlift and they deemed that a non-water recognized event. We talked about that with Rondell and how he was in a very similar situation to pretty all the people in USAPL, but for some reason he was singled out and suspended from the IPF. Um, and then we talked about that with the Delaney and Taylor situation, how theirs was allowed in, in retrospect, but like there, there was, there was some differences between the Delaney Taylor and Delaney situation, as we talked about compared to yeah. the corrupted summit, since the corrupted summit was maybe a little bit more of an actual event versus just like a, a, a lifting get together at a, a, a cage at an expo. But mm-hmm. the emails I saw was by far the furthest stretch of any Article 14 implication, and I don't. I mean, we can read through it real quick, but basic. I mean, not basically. It said that if a coaching certification or seminar is not held by IPF, it is against Article 14, which would entail that any personal trainer with a personal training certification has is would be ineligible. Anyone who attends any seminar would be ineligible. And I mean, just a coaching course, anything like that, all of that is deemed illegal based off of these emails very blatantly saying it under Article 14, unless it is held by the IPS specifically, which Daniel, you get into the email saying literally everything everyone's ever done then gets encapsulated in this. Like everyone is banned, uh, 
Robert and Gaston are banned. Yeah. Like every everyone's banned based off of this. So yeah, the background of that email to Robert Keller, because Gaston kept telling me to contact him, was I told him the situation about three athletes getting banned from IPF Korea. Without even screenshotted how Gaston himself said in a DM to someone else that that's not a reason to get banned. And then Robert Keller, in his response, totally ignores that screenshot of Gaston saying it's okay. Uh, and then basically he says at the end, my recommendation is that you abandon USAPL Korea and then join with IPF Korea and resolve my disagreement with them. And I was like, is this guy for real? Like, did he really just say abandon? He didn't even spell Korea correctly. He said Cora. I'm like, mm, okay. Uh, I responded. Um, I quoted him Article 14. And one second. Uh, I asked him, where in Article 14 is it explicitly stated that coaches cannot take part in any events not sanctioned by APF, including its member federations? I think he made up this member federation part. And I asked him specifically about powerlifting coaching courses at a gym that don't you know, have any relation to a federation. Um, and I was like, doesn't that mean any coach in the world who instructs any course at any gym would be banned as long as it's not IPF related? And then at the end, I was like, I'm not even going to entertain the thought of abandoning USAPF Korea. I literally said, that's absurd. <laughs> um, then what happened after that? I showed him videos of IPF Korea violating all sorts of rules. Uh, then he actually said this too in the next chain of emails. Um, he actually said that all of those who even attend the course would be banned. So now it's not even just including the people delivering the seminars, the people who are listening to the seminar. Uh, then that's where, where I got very upset and I went on the offensive. I was like, at that point, what is your interpretation of the word event? Uh, my logical argument was this. By the way, I teach English for a living, so like my expertise, I'm not trying to brag, but my expertise is breaking down logical deductive reasoning based on text. <laughs> this is what I teach high school students as well as my other job. I'm like, it is clearly implied in the first paragraph of article 14, which is only two paragraphs anyway, that the word event is meant to refer to a competition event because that's how it's used in the first paragraph. And then they carry over the word event to the next paragraph. But obviously that implies that the same definition of event will be being used. Therefore, it should only apply to a competition, as in like either a bench only or a full SBD meet. And he's like, basically says, no, it's any event that is not approved by WADA. And at that point, I was like, then you're banned too. I was like, I literally asked him, have you ever been to your own birthday party? Because uh, I doubt they did WADA drug testing at the end of your birthday party to see if that, you know, birthday cake was laced with some PEDs or something. Uh, he ignored that, of course, but I, I asked him that. And then it goes on and on and on. And then I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to give you a logical situation in which you must answer this. Uh, and you're going to upset a lot of people. <laughs> I said, this is not a, it's not the target anyone, by the way. But I was like, you know what? I need to find a high level lifter that he's going to care about. Because he doesn't give a shit about me. I'm nobody. I'm technically part of the opposition because I'm the state chair of USAP in Korea. I was like, all right, I got to find somebody in this situation. And he has to answer it. I found Ray Williams. By the way, I love Ray Williams. Everyone loves Ray Williams. I feel like he's a very lovable guy. <laughs> uh, but I found out that he owns a gym called Prime Predator Performance. 
And on that website, on the same exact page, it says, unless it's changed now, let me check. No, yeah, it's not. He has a $150 seminar uh, to be provided on May 19th, 2023, meaning coming up soon. And the next day, that gym is hosting a USAPL meet called the P3 Grand Prix, May 20th, 2023. Yep. They're like, he's in almost identical situation to me. Like, I own a gym and it hosts USAPL meets, although it's not the same legal entity. And my gym is hosting a seminar that is not technically affiliated with USAPL. My athletes got banned, and Robert Keller confirmed that that's true, and according to Article 14, and that even attendees are banned. So I just asked him. I was like, I showed him the link and everything. So what's going to happen to Rick? Like, if he delivers his seminar, is he going to be banned? Because he's like literally the only difference between him and me is that I'm not an actual athlete in IPF. So in fact, that makes it probably worse for Ray, you know, because like, he's an actual competitor in Powerlifting America. You know, a great one. Everyone knows him. He's like legendary. So if anything, he's like more likely to be banned according to Robert Keller's interpretation of Article 14 than my coaches. Because you know, he's also well known. And then of course he never responded to that. Like he might like this email chain, he was very responsive once he did start responding. Like in one day, we were back and forth like six times. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I had that, radio silence forever. I still have not received response for that because obviously this is conjecture right now, but him answering that question is a lose-lose scenario, right? Like no matter how he answers that question, article 14 is not going to look good. Yeah. Because yeah. One interpretation of that will be, yes, Ray Williams will be bad. Even though we just got him into powerlifting America. Uh, the other interpretation is, Oh, my bad. Never mind. Article 14 does not include events like that. And then they just look hypocritical because they've already banned so many people according to that interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, pretty blatantly obvious. We've already said it on Two White Lights many times. Um, Article 14 has been left incredibly broad so that the application serves the use when they want it to serve their use. Um, because, yeah, at this point, I mean, fortunately, it sounds like they're going to unban your employees. But if that had, maybe, if they don't, that implies now that any gym that hosts a non-WADA recognized meet, all employees would then be banned. Which, if we're looking at America, basically, I mean, every most gyms will hold a USAPL meet, a USPA meet, a PA meet. They'll, they'll hold everything because they're just mm-hmm. going to be the foundation of like holding. You would then set precedent that if you hold any meet other than an IPF affiliated meet, all employees of that gym are banned. Uh, and like I said, it, it is very blatantly stated here. Hello, David. That, that was your name, apparently. <laughs> yes, quotes, event applies to the seminar that you wish to direct in Korea, which you were very, very clear was a non-affiliated event from your gym, which were actually being taught by IPF lifters, correct? Yes. Like if you were saying, like, who's the one actually instructing the event? They were lifters from the IPF, albeit it's not an IPF, IPF-affiliated coaching course either. It's literally right. a seminar hosted by coaches from your gym that are not affiliated. And then he goes, like you said, enjoy your weekend, David. And I recommend that you reflect on the direction you're going of USA Powerlifting Korea. And it was very obvious in all these emails. You kept trying to remind Robert that this has nothing to do with USAPL, but every single email he sent back, he had to bring up USAPL again. Yeah. Um, like, so like he was like, gonna... at me. He's like, don't do that. You don't do that now. You you yeah. drop USAPL Korea. And I'm like, treating me like a kid and getting my name wrong. Like, 
I said in the email for the second time, my name is Daniel, not David, but it was actually like the third or fourth time. I just didn't mention it before because I thought it was just an innocent typo. But after like the third time, I'm like, okay, I think this guy is just straight up trolling me because I said it twice. That's not my name. I get my damn name right. Very disrespectful. Like, I think that might have been intentional. Of course, I don't know. I can't say, but it seems intentional to me that he's just like mocking me at the end. Well, the troubling thing for me there was the, the that's where I read it's like you like it, it, my advice is to drop USAPL Korea. It's like okay then, so what's the end goal here? Is like you know we we kind of dance around it and we don't want this to happen. But is there a thing of like okay, we got to figure out how to get more people into the IPF USAPL Korea is clearly doing some great things. Um, I mean, me and Steve and I have had frustrations with the USAPL international side, but the the real, the shining hope is what's going on in Korea. You know, like we, we see that, we saw Russ, Weeze, Flex go there, have a great time, awesome live stream. And then it's like, oh, maybe the USAPL international side can or does have some legs. Um, and I, I don't know, like potentially that is the motivation behind that. And that's not, that's power plays aren't good. They just yeah. aren't. Uh, I think what you said is completely reasonable. You know, again, it's assumption. We can't read their minds, the timing <laughs> and their pattern of behavior against competitors. Yeah. That sounds like something they well, would do. Well, we could see from the pattern of you getting the email three days or the mm-hmm. notification three days before. I was your just about seminar. to say that. I got the yeah. notification three days before my seminar, and Rondell got the notification he was suspended on the day of the meet he was supposed to compete in that he was told to drop out of. So, oh. do we have? Yeah. Do you know about that? He was told he had to drop out of the Corrupted Classic if he wanted to do Sheffield because they mm. were trying to get him re- reinstated to do Sheffield. And they had led him on to very much believe that they were going to reinstate him, and they told him to be reinstated, you have to drop, drop out of the Corrupted Classic meet. The day of the Corrupted Classic, they hopped on a call and told him, you're suspended. What if he just didn't pick up the phone that day? They would have got to him <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, we got they, they, would, they would have actually told him he's suspended, and he's yeah. not on the Sheffield roster. But so. they, they very specifically waited till the day of that meet, when he had already dropped out and not competed, to notify him he was suspended, even though they had a call prior that week that seemed positive. Oh, I mean, I, I heard of these details, but not the timing. Yeah. And- yep. The timing yes. was very was very much the the nail in the coffin of and oh and to add for that situation yeah like IPF Korea that initial notification implying that our three coaches are banned it's actually dated a month before they made it public you know like they they had that letter ready and they waited until three days before the seminar to make it public well, so like it makes yeah. sense. Well, the corrupted seminar, I mean, that was our big issue with it, especially on season, because, you know, him, Brad, Marcellus, and Derek, they they were planning that for a really long time, and I know the effort they put into it. I Me, mean, I was just there, you know, like, just participating in it. But, you know, we we had so many posts of me and Jesus doing a tandem deadlift, mainly because it's a comical thing to look at. And <laughs> just, we, we had, yeah, I... Well, yeah, I'm a little bit bigger uh, than than Jesus, um, but uh, yeah. So 
we were just we were, we were just going back and forth, and it was very clear like who was competing at this thing or who who was going to be attending the seminar, and that was the point to get you know really awesome lifters in an area. Then it it was it was a lot of time unraveling that, but a week before, three days before, they tell them like, hey, don't go here and and do these things, and they gave us the rationale, and it's like it would have been great to get that information, even though we still think it's really really stupid and we would have been pissed off at it if you told us two months we wouldn't be as pissed off at least it's like okay we could plan and call someone else yeah, we can we can we can we can move up. things around yeah it's just it's a, it's a courtesy thing it's a courtesy thing and then you know i thought we're owed that courtesy especially yeah. with robert keller i've had conversations with him and um you know he was very responsive at least to my conversations that we had with him as far as uh, some of my concerns with powerlifting america USAPL, IPF. So I don't know. Um, maybe that. Well, I, mean, I would even. I wouldn't even known that call happened if other people didn't reach out to me because there was no courtesy actually given to the people hosting the seminar. It was just, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Williams, as I said, like, I have no. I have only love for that guy. I gave. I gave him the heads up. <laughs> I DM'd him. I was like, do you know that IPF might ban you? And he's like, why? I'm like, and I told him like the seminar you're holding. My athletes got banned for the exact same thing, and you're in the exact same situation. And he's like, okay, thanks for the heads up. So I was like, why do I have to give him the heads up? Like, shouldn't headquarters be telling him this? Um, and clearly, I sent that mail to headquarters, Robert Keller, asking him specifically about Ray Williams. And then three weeks later, Ray Williams still has no idea. I'm the one who tells him on DM. That's obviously very unprofessional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we've stated on two white lights. We just think, Article 14 is absolutely ludicrous. It's just... It's, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anyone it, on the planet who's an actual powerlifter who thinks that article is good. You know, it's only IPF no. leadership, of course. Yeah, it's, it's a very well, funny thing. It's the most universally disliked thing, I think, in powerlifting on up IPF and USAPL. I don't think I can talk to a lifter and be like... And then one of them's like, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. I, I love it. It's like, it's a rule that might be unpleasant, but it's necessary for the growth of the sport. No one says that. And if they mm-hmm. do say it, like, I have yet to meet them. If this went to court, like real court, and like under legal precedence, like I'm wondering if an article like this is even allowed to exist. I don't think anyone's taking so, it. There, yes. So I've got a couple of situations here. Uh, there are two situations outside of powerlifting. I believe it's skiing and figure skating within Europe somewhere where there's legal precedent that... Uh, with an IOC recognized federation that they were not allowed to bar athletes from competing elsewhere. There is a case in the U S where someone tried to sue before the USAPL. I think it was the USPF was the affiliate for IPF. The issue is, cause I talked to someone who is very knowledgeable in this situation, uh, law. Um, they said basically the lawyers who were part of that case were absolute idiots and completely went after the wrong situation. So therefore they got nowhere with that case. Mm -hmm. But they also let me know that this would actually be tough because due to the IPF being a private entity, they kind of had the ability to make whatever rules they want. Yeah. The only thing maybe would come back to some type of contract law. And like when you're legally signing a contract as an IPF member and agreeing to these, is that a reasonable contract to be signing? Yeah. So I might, I might be misquoting it. I'm not giving law advice here. I was not receiving law advice. I was just talking. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. But, I'm a background of but business. either way, we already, we already know this is non-WADA 
this is not a WADA thing. This is a strictly IPF thing. And as we talked about on the show before, like my single biggest issue with the rule outside of the fact that I think it shouldn't exist is there is no clarity to it. Either it needs to be enforced directly as it's stated, or it shouldn't be enforced versus Mm -hmm. being at this point, it is, it is undeniably selective. Yeah. Uh, I I guess some parentheticals in there and like clarify what they mean by event. Uh, and once they do, then people could be more outraged, probably because they probably. Well, will I see. mean, we have we have clarification. Event applies to the seminar you wish to direct in Korea, which was a general coaching seminar about powerlifting. So, as of this point, event has been defined as any seminar that is not conducted personally by the IPF. But also, like, let me add, like, it's not like a seminar is WADA approved, even if it's held by IPF. You know, like. Let's say IPF decides to hold a seminar. They're not drug testing at the seminar. So what's what's well, up? Korea, they might IPF Korea drug test, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay for it yourself. Remember that. Yeah. Um, the, best, the, best, the best random drug tests are the ones you do yourself. Yeah. It's like when I'm going random, to randomly drug test myself today. It's, yeah. it, it's, uh, yeah. it, it, it's a... <laughs> Foolproof system. I mean, there's, no, there's no guarantee that you're even submitting your own urine at that point, you know? No, it's, I don't know what what's happening. Yeah. I was like, That's, well, someone else. That's barring good. Angelo has anything else or Daniel, I think we've I think we've covered everything. Yeah. Well, I, I was I gonna like pitch to go, I would like to go ahead. I was I was saying I'd like to go into a positive light. Oh yeah, for sure. Well no, I mean this can lead to it because every single time we talk about events, I'm like, we need to have a barbecue of power lifters and then you know and, but by the way every time i say it, it sounds better and better every time because i love barbecues and just have backyard games but yeah let's have a bags tournament let's have a horseshoe tournament um you know let's 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 have a kickball game let's do all these great backyard activities the fourth of july weekend in america and invite ipf power lifters invite usapl power lifters um and then call it something call it the two white lights barbecue or something or the 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 two white lights weekend bash and see if that's WADA because we're having a tournament. Like maybe me and Jesus can finally team up in our bags tournament. Mm. That, 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 that'll be safer. Like an eating contest that has like a cash payout, you know, and then, then it's like real legit now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but every time I say it, I'm like, God, this actually would be an awesome thing to do. Like a slip and slide, like, Let's have, let's, have a, let's, have a, let's just have a fun little uh, uh, weekend. But I, I guess it is positive, leading to what we're about to talk about. Yeah, uh, medals at the end. To make it <laughs> yeah, we ironically we ironically have like the best time ever. We ironically <laughs> create a party, and it's just an absolute rager, and it's awesome. Like that would be that would be fun. Yeah, I'll fly over for one sometime. <laughs> All right, awesome. <laughs> you guys have great meets in USAPL Korea. We have great barbecues out here. <laughs> And that is where we're going to end the podcast. Remember, the second half of this podcast is going to come soon. Got to get those audio uh, problems fixed, hopefully by Thursday or Friday. We'll see you guys very, very soon. Peace.